What up, everybody? My name is Woody, and on today's episode, we have a world-renowned photographer, Jesse Lee Fulton. Jesse has captured many events for Golden Voice, including Coachella, Camp Flogna, Splash House, and way more. We chat about how he got started in the festival industry, which is really cool because he used to sneak his camera past security and go wait at the front barricade to film these bands at all these big festivals, which I thought it was really cool. You know, you just you do and then you apologize later, which is pretty badass. We dive into that. We dive into also talking about his newfound passion for music or reignited passion for music, I should say. Uh, analog synthesizers, all that kind of cool shit. So enjoy this conversation with Jesse Lee Fulton. Everything is just, everything is just like a clip or like media to consume. <laughs> it's not like a body of work anymore. Is that what you're talking about? Content. I think the word is content and constant content. Basically, TV is now what are you going to watch? What app does it go through? Unless it's live sports. Yeah, even then. Yeah, and then you get home and it's recorded and then you fast forward through everything. But basically, you know, I was looking at like an Insta story of a younger girl that I know from... He's like a huge Brockhampton fan, and she was like streaming Igor, and she doesn't even call it listening to Igor. Yeah. You know, like we would be like, I got the new Igor, listening to Igor. And she's like, I'm just streaming Igor. Yeah. And I was like, what time does the content start? And it's like, it started at 8 a.m. when she woke up. That's just like, you know, that's just a new way of looking at it. Yeah, I don't know. Streaming's a little extreme, but I guess I sit all day and I'm looking for things to stream, and then when it runs out, I'm looking for more content, and then yeah. specifically looking for something to learn. Or, you know, one of the, the awesome things is is like you know, the history of whatever you want to learn is there. Like, yeah, when I got into to guitars, I was able to look up the complete history of how Marshall Amps went back to the beginning days of Jimi Hendrix or how Vox Amps was sold to the Beatles or now I'm looking at synthesizers and, you know, in the middle of an hour and a half documentary on the history of (laughs) rolling synthesizers that were built in Japan. Yeah. And that rolling synthesizers is actually like Boss Pedals. Oh, really? And they're I the know same it, company? They're the same exact company. Huh. The guy started a pedal company, and he started a synthesizer company. And So was he using the components from the Roland stuff to into the Boss pedals? He had originally made a Roland pedal. Interesting. And then basically went and just decided to just make a completely different company. Dude. And when you hear the Roland guitar pedal, you're like, whoa, that's the sound of the 70s right there. Yeah. And then he made a separate company. But you know, like that stuff to me is really interesting, you know, and yeah, but that's that's your streaming. I think I'm I think we were we have so much stuff we're listening to and watching and consuming now, right? That like if it's good, we'll watch it. But if it's not, then we're just going to move on to the next shit. But you know what I mean? Like you love those old documentaries and Homegirl that was streaming and not listening to Tyler's album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
she she might like that and save it and actually listen to it hardcore or you know what I mean just preview it that was cool and then move on you know but we all have those things where we go through and then we'll have an impactful thing whether it's a movie or whatever and we'll save it and we'll be like okay that that's something I want to invest my time in and you watch the whole thing and you know what I mean only check your phone like five times instead of 15 (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know I guess it's just me kind of hating a little but I'm not you know I'm I am where I am at because of like technology though. Like yeah. I'm 42, I'll be 42 years old, but I feel much younger based on like my ability to like adjust to technology in life and more so we're like, I mean, let's just go back to the beginning. I failed photography three times in college. Really? Yeah. Damn. Because I didn't like film, and I didn't like a dark room, and that's complete like blasphemy. And basically, when things started changing to digital, and then you could do video and photo at the same time, like my whole perspective like changed. And that's when I went back to school, and that was like 2009. So you so you kind of like were like fuck that and then when and you went back after. <laughs> yeah, like basically so you're like fuck film and then it got digital and you were interested again so then you went Well, back in the day it was like you either had to choose one or the other. Like if you want to make movies, you got to go to film school and it's 100 grand. If you want to do photography, it's 100 grand and you got to do photography. And then you flash to like <laughs> What happened was I went to Lightning in a Bottle in 2008, and there was 3,500 people, Santa Barbara Hills, and this is the first time I saw like cameras switching from photo to video, and then I saw DJs using laptops as basically what was going to be a business, and for one weekend I just kind of like nerded out, and basically saw that as like my future and I was like well here it is you can do both and the next thing I did is I went to uh, Hard Festival 2008 on Halloween Mm -hmm. dressed as Cheech and Chong with my buddy sick (laughs) (laughs) and basically had my like it was the so at what was it at Lightning and Ball to Bass Nectar play Mm mm-hmm and that was the first time I heard anything like that. At um, Hard Festival, there was supposed to be a special guest at like 10 o'clock. And that person ended up being DJ AM. And this was Halloween. And he came out dressed as uh, one of the robots from Daft Punk. And this was in the Shrine Hall. And so... There's a group of people around. All of a sudden, this dude comes out. He's dressed like a robot. And all of a sudden, it's like, robot, robot, robot. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, people are just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's Daft Punk. It's Daft Punk. And then, like, they're calling their friends on their phones. And it's like mayhem. And everyone's running into the room. And he plays, like, a 45-minute set of Daft Punk. And then takes the helmet off, and there's DJ AM. And this is after his plane crash. Wow. So this is pretty raw, you yeah. know? And, like, my mind was completely blown. 
so I'd gone from like listening to bass nectar, never hearing anything like that, to now six months later following like DJ culture to watching like the robots live, but it was really just DJ AM. But I got that feeling. Which is even crazier though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a historical thing. It's like an episode of Scooby Doo. And basically like by the time the DJ AM documentary came out, like in my mind, I didn't know if it was 10 minutes or 45 minutes. And in the documentary, he played like a full set. Yeah. And that night, I went home and I like nerded out till like the sun came up on like the 2007 Daft Punk tour. And that was kind of like, I got to get out there and start like, how did I miss that? You know, like that was really bad on my part. And that was kind of the thing that like kicked off like, all right, I'm going to leave my job and go back to school and when the New Year's came around, I uh, had like two weeks I couldn't like sleep. This is going into 2009. And then I drove to my mom's work like the day after New Year's. And I like begged her like, hey, let me move home. I'm going to try it one more time. And I'm like in tears. I'm like, this is it. This is my moment. Like technology is here. Like I can do this. And it's hard when you've like, you're, 20, 29 years old, and you failed before, and I had to really make a pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she starts crying, and she's like, okay, cool, man. Like, let's, let's give it one more try. And then I had to go to my work, and I was in charge of, like, the whole computer system at this company called Jack Surfboards, and I, you know, I was as high of a level as you could be. And basically, I had to tell them, hey, I'm... I'm going to bail here sooner or later. I'm going to go do this thing. And uh, they were really not stoked at first. And yeah. then I worked there part-time and went back to school at this place, uh, Orange Coast College, and then used all my connections in like the surf industry to uh, start shooting like photos right away and going to parties and making sure that like everything I shot like meant something. And um, that's basically like how... So you haven't even been shooting that long as far no, as... No, like, literally, like, when I started shooting, like, if I shot Wolf Mother, that was probably, like, the fifth time I had ever used a camera. Damn. And then I, by the time I shot Dinosaur Jr., like, three weeks later, and that was the first time I ever got, like, a press pass, that was probably, like, the 25th time I shot my camera. That's wild. And then I was, it was just all happening like real fast. But I had 15 years of like concert experience mm -hmm. in me. And I had a whole life of always wanting to be this person. And so that, you think that helps you frame up and, and figure out the right shots and all that kind of shit? Yeah. It was just kind of uh, my being able to like have my mind transferred to the c camera finally. Right. You know, and being able to sit on, on like a, at home and have like multiple screens open and learn and and just not be stuck in like a dark room and you know I could I have to visually learn things and it just over time I was able to it happened really fast because I had done it so much as a fan mm -hmm. and then that came out in like my photos and then every time I shot photos I made sure it was like worth something like within the first six months I had like accomplished every goal I, I had wanted Within six months. Crazy. Yeah. Damn. When was the first time you shot Coachella then? 
Well, was that like the peak, the pinnacle of like your whole? That's the pinnacle because that was the yeah. main goal. So it was. Well, that's that wasn't okay. I accomplished like I had gone to the gorge, I had gone to Red Rocks, and then yeah, 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 it's James Addiction, um, Law Paluzas. You know, I'd done everything like that. The main goal was to always work for Coachella. Crazy, yeah. But that was 2016. Really? 15, yeah. Shit. But it was of you know I worked there. I think I. I had basically so what happened was in 2011 I go up to the Sasquatch Festival and it's LCD sound system up at the Gorge, and I met a dude who looked like he was from California. And how could you tell he was from California? Because. <laughs> he looked like he was from California when you're surrounded by everybody from like the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Got you. And I was like, dude, you're from Cali. He's like, yeah. And then uh, his name was Oliver and we became friends. And then when we got home, I hadn't seen him for a while. And this is like a year later. I think we're outside like the Echoplex. And he was like, yeah, I just started working with Golden Voice and doing shows. And we like reconnected. And then he started like getting in charge of shows. And then this is 2000. 13, 14, I, I started shooting a bunch of uh, like the B and C shows at the Roxy and for mm-hmm. free. And I basically like interned forever while I was on the side, you know, working for other companies. And, you know, in the beginning, I would sneak my camera into festivals and that's how I got photos. Really? And I would post up for like eight to 12 hours waiting for the headliner. Crazy. And um, at the front of the barricade. Yeah. Wow. And it got to the point where, I mean, and there's some pretty insane stories in that. And then when I started getting press passes, I started getting bored with it because you go in a photo pit and there's like 100 people. The photo pit sucks, man. Yeah. It really does. It's, like, it's, it's changed, but yeah, it sucks. It sucks because everybody has the same point of view and yeah. it's the same songs and it's the same shit. No, it sucks. And, and so then, it's pointless. So what would happen was is like, you know, Let's okay. Let's take. Let's take. This is how I how I did it. So, Law Plus is two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. My sister graduates high school. We buy uh, two train tickets to go to Chicago, and we're going to take the Amtrak. Takes like three days. Go through the Colorado Rockies from Cali. Yeah, from LA. Yeah, and then we're going to fly. We're going to fly home from Lollapalooza. And this is the first time that the original James Addiction is back together after 18 years. And they're going back to Lollapalooza. And we take a train there. We get there. We walk down to like, it's a Thursday. We walk down to like Lollapalooza, like where it is. And then Perry Farrell's like in a golf cart by himself, right behind us. Nobody's there. They're putting up fences. And like, we're starting our weekend. And then. So what I have is like, I got to figure out how to get, you know, eight grand, 10 grand of camera equipment illegally into Lollapalooza. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is, I have like a backpack with a, with a straight back, like a hard back on it. Mm-hmm. And then I had like a drawstring on the top. So it was kind of like a duffel. And basically I would, I would take my 7200, I put jeans at the bottom, 7200, sweatshirt, wrap the body. And then like a 50 millimeter wrapped around like a t-shirt or something at the top. 
And when I would open the thing, he would fill the clothes at the bottom, and then the backpack was hard, so you wouldn't feel anything. And then I'd be like, oh, this is for my girlfriend. Yeah. It's just blankets and crap. And they let me go. Huh. And then we would go post up at like two or three, and then basically stand there until like 10 o'clock when the headliner comes on. But by the time the headliner comes on, you're like friends with like everybody around you. Yeah. And they're like protecting you from like anything that comes close or anything that's like next to you. And um, that's why they become like your friends. And then I would trade photos and stuff like that. So we, it was the Sunday. So were a lot of people doing that? It was like no, a bunch of other photographers? No. Or? No. Or you would just send the homies like that you met. Like like photos. friends, like kids are just posting up like me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if, when you stand next to someone for nine hours, you get to learn a lot about each other. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how do you go take a shit? It was like my sister was there with me, so we were like, <laughs> you know, we would rotate. You know, yeah. like I got to go or you got to go, and then yeah, like, yeah. but there was times when I would do it by myself, and uh, it was just kind of actually some of the best times. You know, I so what would happen was is then so let's say Jane starts. Now I'm in the crowd. Yeah. You know, at the time I don't know that that people get kicked out after three songs. So I shoot an hour and a half of photos. I get the whole hour and a half of practice yeah. on a digital camera. So I'm like teaching myself in real time. I'm shooting the most epic band at the most epic place with like perfect lighting from a crowd perspective with like crap flying all over around me. But I'm like literally in the moment and I'm only like five months into this. I'm coming home with these images. But I'm at the time, I have photos that no one has because nobody was around me. Yeah. You know, like I got the, the encore, the, the family, like, but at the time, I don't know that other people aren't doing this. And right. I did that for like four years. Like I legally snuck stuff in at every festival. But, <laughs> but like that was like how how else am I going to do this? Yeah. You know, like, if you're not going to give me like a pass, like I'm going to do it. So basically, you know, I did that forever and I built up like stuff and then I started working, you know, the B and C levels with Golden Voice and then basically the first time I got, um, what they, they had discovered too was I shoot really good from the crowd and um, I shoot sp- like, Vibe and sponsors, and and they they had offered me to go to Camp Flog, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. And was that the first year? No, I think that was the year after. Second year, like second year. Second year. And yeah. basically, like there, it was me and like four people, one editor, and the big dogs at GV. And this is my first festival shooting for like a company, and actually getting paid for the first time. Yeah. And. I'm fired up. And they're basically like, you know, the guy Raymond is, you know, I'll never forget it. He's like, you know, Radiohead is going to play like every festival. We don't really care. Like what we want is like Radiohead with like a palm tree. We want to know that Radiohead played Coachella or Radiohead played Camp Flognog, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we want the people because the people are the people are the thing that's going to be coming back. Yep. And I was like, amazing, because I just spent, you know, six years trying to perfect the perfect guitar photo when <laughs> everything I was doing naturally was what they wanted. Right. And then I wasn't even assigned like a band that day. 
and I shot literally just the vibe, the crowd, and the sponsors. Like, it was like a surf industry thing at this point. But it was also like a, my favorite festival. It was what I thought Coachella was like a long time ago, where mm-hmm. it was basically like the coolest kids in the world were all in one place, and there was a vibe to it. Yeah. And but we didn't know what we were doing. Like we had to call in people to come down and help pick selects and like the girl who was editing like was overworked and, and then the other person never got the job. You know, like there was and then Flash I ended up doing I think four and a half years, thirty festivals in a row from that moment. Crazy man. And watched the whole thing people come and go and people get fired or people come back and then you know building a system and into like a we're like a well-oiled machine at this point you Mm -hmm. know like we're building careers and we're ending careers and we're starting things and and we got a a whole process to it and it's it's pretty cool but it was definitely like a lot of like blood sweat and tears and something that seems so easy yeah yeah you know but it was a lot of like trial. It doesn't, it doesn't seem easy, dude. Like the the whole, I mean, capturing Coachella is nuts. I mean, there's how many people there? There's how many stages there? How many activations there? There's right. shit going on all over the place. And to, and to try to bottle that up into like a post every hour or, you know, yeah, getting the right shots of every band, like it's a lot. But I, it is a lot, but the people are pretty talented. <laughs> Everybody's super yeah. talented, yeah. But, but it does take that organization, yeah. you know what I mean? Like knowing what you want to get and then knowing how to get it. And you know what I mean? Like you said, you only have a few songs in the pit and then you're out. So it's like... And then we... The technical part of like even um, transferring images is really mm-hmm. nuts. And then like the storage of the photos and the tracking and, you know, and then even when we give the photos away, we're not even picking... The photos that go onto the internet, you know, like onto the the live stream, the content, you know, we're creating it, but we're still not fully in control of it. Yeah, you know, and that's kind so of so you're out in the field, you shoot a bunch of stuff, right. you you take your card, and you just basically go in the trailer, give it to somebody, and then we have like get a, a clean card, and then go back out. Yeah, like and go, then there's an editor. Go so like go back to the to the trailer, drop off like at the. In, to like an ingester and then they kind of give it to a person who picks the selects right. and then the selects go to the editors and the editors have a certain amount of photographers and then they edit those and then we send those our selects to a different group that goes through those selects has a specific thing that they're looking for mm-hmm. and then they launch those photos onto like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah. And so there's literally, what, four people by the time it gets, like, posted. And that, learning how that process worked, like, took a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then trusting editors or trusting people and, you know, and it's it's pretty nice. So my, my first Coachella that I actually, like, shot Coachella was pretty awesome. I had gone to LCD Sound System 2011, April 2nd, their last show. Mm-hmm. And it was four and a half hours. One of the best concert experiences of my life. And then now it's 2016, and they're back, and they're headlining Coachella. 
with I think Guns N' Roses and this is my first time like officially working for Coachella and it's like Thursday afternoon and I was hired to do like camping and I'm walking through like the field like 2.30 in the afternoon and all of a sudden I hear LCD sound system playing and they're playing uh, Us First Them which is like an opening song and I'm just there by myself. And this is five years later. And like now I'm at that moment that I've been thinking about since like 2008 at like DJM, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, were they, they were just sound checking in the middle of the day? Because or? they hadn't played for five years. Yeah. They sound checked for eight hours. Shut up. So the, what, the only bummer was is that they sound checked like the set list. Whoa. So I knew what was going to be played. So right. I'd go in and out of camping, walk back, drop a card, go back out, took my dinner out there, watched them like converse with each other. Jesus. And then because Coachella's two weeks now, they did it again the second weekend. Yeah. And they practiced again. And that was really interesting too because that kind of shows you what it's like to be a band again or to get in the flow of things. So at Coachella, I felt like they were a band getting started again. Mm-hmm. Going from like watching like a band end after playing live together for 11 years at peaking and then seeing like Rust and then you flash to FYF and they're basically like six months later after travel or five months later tra- traveling the world again playing as a band. By, by the time we got to FYF, they were like LCD sound system again. Yeah. You know, and they were ready to go record new songs, and they were like a band, and you're like, yeah, this is this is what I'm talking about. Like, whatever it is, you get in a bus with someone or on the road, and that's the the thing with like, even though as like a as a photographer working, we're not like going out and drinking and partying and doing drugs and experimenting at music festivals. We're documenting that, but yeah. It's such a like intense, crazy situation that by the time it's over, everybody worked with is like you've kind of lived that experience. Yeah, that feels like it's like five years, but it was three days. Yeah, or however long like that person showed up to like build out the festival or whatever it is. You know, it's like I have friends I see like five times a year, but I feel like I see them like every day because mm-hmm. whatever that moment was is so intense, and you're experiencing it all together. Like that's kind of what it's more about now than just like the music is the experiences with like all these people I respect yeah yeah for sure and it's like you get to like a certain level where it's so so easy to you like you can go do that thing Mm -hmm. but how are you going to do that thing at like a high level and like creatively always going forward and then not trying to copy everyone nobody like we're trying not to copy each other you know, it's how hard. do you copy somebody in photography? How do you like bite somebody's style? If like, dude, it's pretty. You, you can see it happen pretty fast sometimes. Like, how, like filters and and um, editing styles or or uh, the way. Uh, like, are you looking at people's stuff? Me, like, uh, like you could tell who they're influenced by and who yeah. they. Really? Yeah. That's when crazy. you look at it like enough, like, you know, I look at a photo subconsciously like a thousand different ways in one second where someone might just look at something and be like, oh, that's just a picture. But I, I you know, I'm guilt. I can look at something and see every minor detail of everything. So when it's also people that I'm like working with or com- like competing against, yeah, 
you know, we're all looking for the same jobs. There's about 20 of us all working the same gigs, you know, at this level. And once something starts to take off, what happens is, is like, basically, you're trying to impress the person that's picking photos. Mm-hmm. So whoever becomes that person picking the photos, if they start to pick up on like a certain style, well, I better like start using that style mm. if I'm going to get my photos selected. Yeah. So then it becomes a thing like, do you need everybody to have, so do I need a star filter with a crystal with like a semi-blurred photo and then a sharp one to get selected? Yeah. Out of the 200 photos I did, or like, can I just keep doing my thing, even though like you say, don't worry about your photos being posted, or you're not judged by that. There's still like a. You, you still st- want your shit to be posted. It's impossible yeah. not to want your photo posted. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. I remember the first time my post- photo got posted at Coachella, and it was a camp camping shot of a hill, and there's no palm trees in it. It's out of camping, and it's With the just, balloons and shit. No, it's, it starts at like, it's I call it like Stoner Hill, like San Francisco, mm-hmm. and it started like four or five years ago. Like, I'd start going out there, and then when the sun would come down, you look back, and people would go to the hill, and then each year it's built up like people to the point where like every it's like everyone goes to this hill in camping. In camping, it's where Kanye just did the. Uh, Sunday service. A Sunday service. Yeah. They took a they took part of the hill behind it and built the hill in front of the other. Is that hill. over by the TVs by the lake? Kind yeah. Of? Okay. To the right there, where the food would be and shit. Exactly. Got you. And to the right of Lake El Dorado. Yeah. And I, that was the first photo I ever had posted. It was just a shot of like camping, and it meant like the world to me. Yeah. And then each year, we saw like the camping photo get bigger and bigger and bigger, and like to a thing where like. My boss asked me if I had like built that, you know, and I'm like, I kinda, you know, like we yeah. exposed that, you know, like to the point where like people are arguing on Coachella, like if that's even real, you know, like where is that, you know, <laughs> like that's pretty cool. And then the next year, like I go for a different angle, and the next year I do different, and then, you know, you get like those are like my favorite photos, and then Coachella goes and you know they post a photo and they create like a campaign for it for the next year. And it's like a, they, they take the photo and they make it look like it's printed like four by six and it's taped to like a, a cork board. Mm-hmm. So it's like when they launch the Coachella website, it's like that person is working all year to go hang with their friends on that hill. Right. You're selling that dream. Yeah. yeah. There's no Radiohead. There's no NOS or, or, Kendrick Lamar in the photo. It's literally just a hill of people yeah. in a moment. That's the lifestyle. And that's like the moment that I like, you know, and then I would get to the point where I wouldn't even shoot. I don't, I felt, I probably only shot like six or seven acts out of like the five Coachellas I shot. Damn. And then um, I legally shot Coachella like three times. <laughs> Damn, how did you get your camera in there, dude? That's some strict security. It's not as bad as it was now. Yeah. I even got out of like the the camping parking lot the first year they did it. Like it was nuts. The first year they did car camping. Yeah. Um, I think that was 2010, like Devo, Gorillas, Devo played at like midnight. 
so that would be two years in the shooting. This is gonna be my first really like I'm taking I'm feeling pretty good at this point, like with a camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, we're at car camping. Let's go car camp Coachella. Get there. It's like midnight opening. Two and a half, three hours to get in. I got an epic shot of it. By the time we get in, it's like three in the morning. And then they don't shut off the generators. It's the first year they're doing this. So they don't shut off the generators. Yeah, yeah. There's like one shower. And then there's, we're going to have like a DJ. And they just, <laughs> they put the DJ inside of the, uh, the camping supply store. So now everyone's like raving after the show inside the camping supply store, right? And then it's like 2 a.m. and like a yoga breaks out. So everyone's doing yoga outside of the camping thing. I got photos of that too. Holy shit. But now it's like the second day and I'm like dying. I'm like, I got to go like take a shower. And my buddy's like, hey man, we're at the pool like by my house, like barbecuing, why don't you come over? Yeah. And they're like, you can't leave. And I'm like, we got, we got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm going to die. <laughs> and we've been here for like two and a half days and like not showered or anything because there's nothing like that. And just not, it's just not prepared to like what it is now. Yeah. And there was a hospital on the way in. I think it's like a John Kennedy Hospital or something like that, JFK, mm-hmm. something like that. And then I, I get everyone in the car and I just pull up to the security. I'm like, hey man, my friend was dehydrated and went to the hospital last night. We need to go get him. <laughs> and they're like, we can't leave. I'm like, dude, I gotta go get my buddy. Like, you know, we'll be back. Yeah. You know, give us three hours. And they're like, okay, you can go. Yeah. And we went and barbecued and hit the pool party and then just drove back and then the guy <laughs> let us in and like saved my whole weekend. Dope. But, but but that whole weekend I would do the same backpack trick. I, you know, the seventy two hundred in the pants, the body in the in the sweatshirt, and then um I think it was Coachella twenty thirteen was the last time I did that and I got close to getting caught. Damn. And that was sketchy. Yeah. And then basically what was weird about it as I was like got to the other side of it and you learn all the rules and the security and it got gnarlier and gnarlier and gnarlier and mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's how I got my start. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But that was, I also hated like, I hated emailing people and then getting denied and then it became like a, a when I would get passes and I wasn't getting paid, like it didn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like going in the photo pit, I would just hang out in the crowd anyways. Really? Yeah, I was just like this kind of lame. Like I, I'm not feeling anything from it. I don't want to be one of like a hundred people. And like, what like, kind of lens would you use from the crowd? Seventy two hundred, and then like a bubbler sometimes. So mm-hmm. then I can get like four hundred, like five point six. And dude, I got photos like that are just the most insane photos. Um, like my, so I went up to San Francisco Arcade Fire. This is the suburbs tour. They just won the Grammys. This is uh, Golden Gate Park. And I think it was Modest Mouse, John Fogarty, somebody else, and then Arcade Fire. So I posted up, oh, Built a Spill in the Modest Mouse. So I posted up at the railing. I had a, uh, this time I had like a pass to get in, but not into the photo pit. So what they started doing is giving photo passes out to people with like smaller publications. Mm-hmm. 
so I can get the camera in legally, but I couldn't get close right. to the thing. So for Arcade Fire, I posted up like 30 feet from like the railing. What I wasn't expecting was like a crazy crowd. And like they started off with like ready to start. Dun, 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 dun. And it's just like boom. And like bodies are flying. And I got like my, my backpack wrapped around my thing. And I'm like shooting the thing. And 40 minutes into it, like I'm going back and forth from like a wide lens to like a, to like a, 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 a lawn with like a bubbler. And there's like a moment. And um, what's his name? Wynn Butler picks up the bass and he like picks it up like a guitar. And I'm 30 feet, but in the camera, I'm like literally like in his face. And there's like a four shot sequence. He like picks up the guitar and it looks like he's looking directly at me. And my thing in his, his face is, uh, is like sweating. And it looks like he's shooting a gun, but it's a bass. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And, uh, Flash to like, I think it was the beginning of this year when I found out I wasn't like working some things. I was pretty bummed out, and I wake up from like a nap, and Win Butler had gone and reposted that photo from 2011, Shit. calling it the suburbs. I had reposted it like a couple of weeks before on my account as like a memory. Yeah, and it's like my favorite photo of all time. And then he doesn't really post anything. And that kind of like moment was like, oh, okay, like you're you're all right, man. Like it's uh-huh. gonna be okay. Like you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. get, you know, like this dude who you like really respect and love is is, is it, you know, I'm just as guilty as everyone. It's like it's just the repost or something, you know. But it meant the world to yeah, me. Yeah, but he's sharing your art. Yeah, he's sharing that's that's like something that you share with the artist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that like, is like you can't really describe it. Amongst my friends and stuff, like the photo is known and the people that mean something to me, we all know the photo. So yeah. like it was pretty interesting to see it um, come across and like to be like respected. And like that's a band that I just have like the ultimate like respect for. You so know? what did you do with all these pictures when you shot them? Like in 2011, so what you're I, sneaking shit in? Like do you... Literally like my timeline is Facebook, so... When the DJ culture was changing things, that's when MySpace was changing to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so basically, like the, the company I left, I had literally talked, created a position called like social media. Mm. And then I was like, I'm going to work part time, but why don't you give me like a thousand bucks a month? These companies are going to start making uh, commercials, and you should just sell the commercials to sell their product. And I kind of started like doing it for them, but at that time people were like, "When's the free sunglass sale?" And it wasn't really like art to me; like I wanted it to be, and I stopped doing that. And Facebook was just like at the time was like information, right? Mm-hmm. So it, I'd go to the show and then I post it on Facebook. I go to the next thing and I post it on Facebook. I go on this trip and I post it on Facebook. And Facebook was like Instagram at the time, you know, like that was how you were getting your yeah your photos out. Mm-hmm. And uh, people like immediately were like hyped. And also there was like a thing that like everything meant something. So like if I went and shot like Dynasty Jr., most people know how much I love Dynasty Jr. If I'm traveling 
to something like Modest Mouse or Yeah Yeah's or the Red Rocks, you know, like that means the absolute world yeah. to me. Like that is like the end goal. Like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to document things. And I post it on, online. And I posted it online for, uh, dude, I don't have a website. <laughs> I'm literally like about four weeks from finally releasing a website for the first time in 10 years. Crazy. So that kind of was like a thing too. Like, well, how Why far? four weeks? Because that's like my birthday. And I'm, I'm Is kinda, it done though? I'm almost done. And I've just gone through like the last three months. I've been going through everything in the last 10 years. Crazy. Yeah. So like what... <laughs> I was posting the photos. I was getting reactions right away. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then I was putting myself in like extremely good situations. And basically, like, I mean, I lived at home for like the first year and a half at like 30, 29, 30. You know, I wasn't, I just folk, I wasn't dating. I wasn't doing anything. It was just, just a photo rat. Yeah. Like just chasing. You have to do that. Chasing though. the dream. Yeah. And I did that for like six years. And, you know, I did an art show once and they're like, it's just kind of a personal thing. And then my main goal was to work for GB and then that happened. And then now we're progressing past, past that stuff. But like my first, just the internet was like such an easy way to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, when you're a kid in the 90s, I guess you express yourself like if I walked into my, if you walked into my room, you would know everything about me. Now that's all like out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I express myself, people know everything about me through Instagram and the internet. Now, if I was a kid, my, my walls could be white. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You know, like it's already there. Like, you know, I used to like to have parties in high school so people could come over and know me better just by walking in my room. Yeah. You know, like how, like, this is really who I am. Like, these posters of, of rock stars and dreams and Black Sabbath and, and these, these mythical, you know, rock music used to be like mythical. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be like, like, oh, this, this band played this and this is what this was. And then, like, you'd be like, what song was that in the middle of the set? You know, like, how do I find out what that is? Like, it took me three years one time to find out <laughs> a Black Sabbath song. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what losing my edge is. The LCD sound system is like, I, I lived this. Now you're just Googling it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, man, like, I was at the James Addiction show in 97 when they got back together, man, like, the relapse tour, and, you know, like, oh, I watched the hour and a half burnt copy from MTV. It's like, you don't really, and I deal with that all the time. Like, my friends, I have 23-year-old friends who are, like, phenoms, and it's like, how are you so advanced? But, like, you're born into this stuff. Like, you're born into, you know, like, my life would be totally different now. Yeah. Like, if the technology was out when I was 16. You know, you got to think, so 95, I graduated high school, it's like pagers. 99, people are graduating college for the first time with laptops, maybe every once in a while. Cell phones, 2002, 2003, we go from like a sick little <laughs> razor to like an iPhone. Yeah. I know everyone's, remember how awesome it was to post Sunset? Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to chase Sunset Dream together. Yeah. We didn't know each other, but we were all looking for that <laughs> Sunset, right? 
<laughs> and like that all just kind of like changed everything. So it's like, I always looked at myself as like a skateboarder. It's all like skateboarding. It's like, okay, I grew up with all my friends. They're all like professional skateboarders. They built a brand around themselves. Who are my companies going to be? Mm-hmm. All right, well, GV will be like my board sponsor. KCRW is like my wheel sponsor. My clothing sponsor can be like BWG Live or Setlist FM now makes my trucks. Just you know, different components. There's different components, brand, but, yeah. but these things really represent who I am as a person. Right. You know, like, and if people can see that, they can know who, who I am. Like, my original emails with like Golden Voice was like, look, I, I'm your brand, man. I've been at those shows since I was 14 years old. Like, I have the ticket stubs, man. Like, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. You know, like I was born for this. I was at Coachella 2001 with 36,000 people. I can help you get you, your security detail yeah, unlocked. I can, you know, <laughs> you what's up. I can tell you how to shut down the legal <laughs> photos real quick. Exactly. Like, you know, I've lived, I've, Coachella's weird. It's literally like my life. I can give you a 20 year story of that place where I've lived from the broken heart to the the dream, to the most drugged out ecstasy experience you've ever felt in your life, like floating, to like standing there waiting for a press pass and it wasn't there, to being on stage at the highest of the levels or 50 feet above the crowd, to not getting hired, or being number 12 on the list and not number 11 for years until you made it to number 11 and made it to number one. And that... You know, that's kind of crazy. Like, I could write a book, like, on just the polo fields. From right. From Desert Trip to to now and, like, you know, that crazy experience just all goes back to, like, like, if I, I'll just, all right. I'll t- so. <laughs> this well, is, let's put it this way, right? So you started off just doing shit DIY, right? You're sneaking shit in, you're right. doing this, you're doing that. And this is after you, like, had your struggles with photography as an art form and right. and learning it. So like and drugs and alcohol. And drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So you get to a point where you are shooting LCD and you're experiencing all these crazy things and you're achieving your goals, right? So like where do you go from there? Like where does that lead you? Like what is the future of not only where do you go from there and you know, we're both jaded as fuck cuz we've been <laughs> around it and stuff, but where does where does that go? And then like where is the future live for the art form itself too? Because you have these little ass cameras. We're talking about iPhones that can shoot professional grade photography now. So well, I mean, geez. Okay, first of all, I always say I'm the one percent of the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. Like I am as lucky and blessed as it is to be in the position that I'm in. Somebody believes in me, and they let me take the take that. And, and build it to what it is. Um, I think for me personally, is going forward more into like creating like music on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, the photography stuff is like, I feel like it, it's not as much. I think that people, sorry, people will become more of just a uh, what it refers like an artist. You're a photographer, you're a videographer, you're a um, effects person, mm-hmm. you're a director, 
you're the social media person. If I'm a band and I'm coming towards you and I want to hire you, like you better be good at everything. And it's not just, I just don't think people should in the future to think of themselves as just specifically a photographer. And I think I kind of did that too mm-hmm. for a long time. Or like, oh, I'm just this person and this is what I do. And then it's like, oh man, we're all kind of taking the same photos and we're all kind of doing the same thing, but we all love the moment. Um, cameras are getting better. There's more people. You know, I think I got in at like the right time. I got really lucky. I was in that window between digital and, and film. And now people are going back to film, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's not like, even me, I'm guilty of that. I just wanted to learn digital, but now that I understand the hell out of it, I'm actually shooting like film. So now we're slowing down again. Like I feel like things are slowing down where it's about quality, not quantity. Um, we're trying to fill up 24 hours of content space to people every day. So like you can throw it out there and dilute your product or you can keep it tight and release it in, in real time. Uh, I think kids are going to be crazy talented. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine a kid that's 12 years old that's, you know, has the tools where he can learn Ableton and he can learn Photoshop and he can learn these things. And he's like, you know, back in the day, Spielberg was making movies with 16 millimeter cameras and or like eight millimeter like things and like archaic stuff. Yeah, you know? but do you think that the tools, I, I always think that, I think the tools are necessary for sure. And the, there's a vast knowledge out there, for, absolutely. But there, it, it comes down to what you do with it. You know what I mean? Like, as a creative, there's so many things that I've, you know, my first camera was like a Canon T3i or some shit. And I took better photos with that than I probably am now with the camera that I have. Just because I was more focused on photography because right. it wasn't really a video cam- You know what I mean? And so... I think it's the tools you have. I have so much shit laying around here that like I don't use because I it's just not it doesn't speak to me, you know what I mean? I have this gimbal that like is great and I never fucking put my camera on it. Right. But you have it for whatever moment that is. No, I think I think I think I think the tools are awesome. Yeah. Like the fact that like you can do all this stuff, like that was kinda like the microphone thing we were talking about. Like Yeah, exactly. Um like that's basically like random random access memories is basically like we're going to um record instruments and then you know Giorgio Madero goes into the to record with them and they have three microphones and one's is like why is there three microphones and it's like one's from the 60s one's from the 70s one's from the 80s and they don't know exactly what sound they want and then you're like well I got a microphone and I can basically hit a button and do that if you want, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a choice of like what, you know, what, how do you want to recreate your tools and what tools you're going to use? But there's also a mindset where that matters. You know what I mean? If, if you're recording a drum kit and you want the drum kit to sound a certain way, you kind of need, you need more specific mics and shit and like a that room was, and a, you know what I mean? That was exactly what he said too. And then he was like, if we're going to go back and record an actual bass line, we're going to, we're gonna or we're gonna record a drum set. We're gonna have to get the drum kicker microphone. This microphone. But that's more of a purposeful driven uh, thing, right? That's that's utilizing. That's taking the resources that you have and then molding it to what you want it to sound like, rather than what you want it. What you want to. 
put into the world with the tools that you have. And I think that there's two different ways of looking at it. Because, I mean, personally, I find it, I find when I'm restricted, I make the best art. Yeah. If I have, if I have you know, 20,000 drum sounds and a bunch of samples and 10 instruments and whatever the fuck, like, I'm just going to be looking through that shit all day and not actually creating. But if you say, oh, okay, I'm limited to this one drum kit. Right. I got one microphone. Then it's then the music is going to really reflect like what is coming out of me rather than you know what I mean. We got these three mics set up. Okay, so we'll record the drums. Yeah, and that's it. Well, I mean, that, that's two also, different schools of that's thought. That's also a very two different things. That's also a very extreme version. Like that was a very that's two people that are have all the money in the world or have all the time to you know. It's basically, they record Tron for two years and they learn <laughs> and they learn how to. Record with professional artists and violinists, and then they're like, "Well, we're gonna go make an album." Let's they take that to the extreme. But like, I think authenticity is. I don't know. This is totally what you're. I think going forward, authenticity is the most important thing. I agree. Yeah. You know, like there's gonna be so much stuff to go through. You have to believe that that person believes in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's the most, because you're going to have, we all have the tools, you know, like we all have, you know, what what's needed to be there. How authentic is it? Do you like really believe in that person, you mm-hmm. know, or are they just trying to sell me something or, or them as like a person or do they just want to sell me like a ticket, you know, or do they have something to say, you know, and that's. I th- kind of think authenticity. It's not exactly like how many followers a person has. You know, it's like who are the hundred people that hire them. Well, it's what you like too, yeah. because it could be. You know, I, I guarantee that there's people. What's that actor like? Harry Styles is an actor and a singer, right? So there's people that listen to him that just love him as an actor, or like tricks that thinks he's he's hot, right? And they just listen to it because he's making music. But then there's probably other people that like his music because it's probably well produced because he's right. you know popping. So he can work with the best producers. So it's just, uh, I think that that's the beautiful thing now is like you can consume things with the way that you want to. I'm listening to an album because <laughs> I like the drum sounds on it, or right. I appreciate this, or Kanye West talks a bunch of shit and I like he's funny in the media. So like I'm gonna listen to his album. Yeah, that's well, oh. you know, you know, I actually like my first 14 years of my life. I of music, so let's say 2000, let's say like 13, 14, you really, I'm like 91, 92, I really get into music. And this is peak MTV. Mm-hmm. So I'm also consuming music through visuals. So my whole life is basically like, a lot of the bands I might have caught on to like visually right away. Mm-hmm. Or like I, I didn't know that Perry Farrell didn't play guitar, drums, and bass. You know, he's yeah. the lead singer, I think he's the most important person. Yeah. You know, and then 97 comes around and it's like a guitar magazine with Flea, he's playing bass, and then Dave Navarro. And it's like, well, actually, Dave Navarro is like Led Zeppelin, and then Eric Avery, the bass player, is like Joy Division and New Order, and then The Cure, and then the drummer is like this, and you're like, oh my God, that makes a band, that makes like a sound. And then, and then you start paying, and then I go to Tom Petty, my dad is like, I didn't realize how rhythmic of a guitarist Tom Petty was. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? He's like, well, the other guy's <laughs> the lead guitarist, you know? Yeah. 
And I'm just, I'm so in love with just the visual part of music mm-hmm. or like the origins of things or what, or the feeling of what it's like to be in the crowd. Right. I just want to be entertained. I want to like for an hour and a half not think about anything, you know? And then it gets into like, oh, well, this is how you build everything. This is how it works. And now it's like, then you start playing guitar. You start, when you listen to music now, I can hear individual parts, you know, like, so now it's like you say, like, I'm listening to stuff now that's like movie soundtrack stuff. Yep. Just because it's different and it's done with a synthesizer, but I know how it's made and how the origin is and I'm completely looking at it differently. I'm only listening to like one thing now. Like I'm not even listening to the music the same way I used to, which is really cool to me. Like I can actually hear a bass line, a hand clap, a drum line, a guitar riff. I can tell if the guitars, there's two guitars. Yep. If it's coming through a Marshall amp or a Vox amp. Like, it's fucked up, man. And it like, changes It, it kind of changes, changes your whole perspective on the thing to the point where like, I know who the lighting guy is, mm-hmm. who the roadies are, how hard that job is. You know, like that's what's cool about Coachella is it's like the best of the best, right? Like everyone shows up with their A game. They're about to debut their production. You know, it's the one place you can go and be like, yeah, man, like maybe Glastonbury in Europe or something, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. Glastonbury and then there's like Coachella and you make it. Yep. You know, like that's how you make it. And then where do you go from there? You know, do you want to be the musician on stage now? Do you want to be the director of the things? You know, it's like, it's kind of cool. I was watching like, it was uh, Pharrell and Paul Tillette were talking on beats, and Pharrell asked like Paul like, like what do you do? How do you, how do you make what you make? And Paul Tillette's just basically like, you know, we're just gonna build the fences, and we're gonna put up like the bathrooms, and we're gonna let you be you. And I'm like, man, that's the easiest pitch ever, but it makes the most sense, it right? It does, yeah, yeah. I was like, for sure. You know, it's not like we're gonna do this, 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 and this, and we're gonna make you like, no, it's not, man. I got the fences, mm-hmm. I got the transportation. I'm gonna make sure you get there on time. You know, whatever you need to do your thing. Yeah, I'm gonna give you your yeah. thing and your space, and then you go create what you want to create. You know, he's not he's not trying to sell you a trip to the Virgin Islands. Or they can't build a fence to let the people create. Yeah. You know, it was the complete opposite. Yeah. You know, and like that kind of like thing is like, that's straight up authenticity right there, you know? For sure. And um, that's where I think that people need to like, like be real with themselves and not just chase these things, you know? It's like, well, there's so many people doing the same thing. You know, how do you, it's like, once again, it's like skateboarding. Kids right now are really freaking good, mm-hmm. right? They're born in skate parks. Yep. They can skate transition. They can skate this. It's on TV every day. They can even go to their parents, look, mom, I can buy a house or Mercedes mm-hmm. and do that. I can do that when I was younger. And they, it's not about, you can't have 100 kids like robots. It's going to be like, who's the dude that does it? perfect or like styly mm-hmm. or has like a character or it's style man it's know. style and, and it's it's uh the best thing i can equate it to instead of uh skating is music and i mean even video and like camera shit you know photography it's like it's a language so even if all of the knowledge in the world is out there for skaters for photographers for creators right you basically learn the language and then you can then translate what is in your head 
to the art form. So the, 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 the camera, the program, the whatever is the medium between you and then the creation of the art. So like if you have a, an original idea inside your head, um, if, if I learn how to use Ableton or learn how to use a Canon, you know, camera, mm -hmm. it's, only, it's only acting as the transitional piece between my brain and the physical product that it's going to output. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm not really that, you know, I don't have that much style or, or originality, I'm just going to draw from all my influences and it's, I'm just going to end up sounding like some fucking bullshit beat that has been made a million times right. or like doing the same trick that everybody else does or doing, taking the same photographs and stuff. Right. But if I have a crazy, unique, you know what I mean, different way of looking at things and I can kind of like mold it and, and take other influences and shit from different, different art forms and put them into photography or put them into music, then it's going to reflect on the other side. Right. And I think that um, we get caught up with all of the tools and shit and all of the, the knowledge that's available and that's all great. But if you can't apply it, you know what I mean? Like, right. like uh, I just, I know that like when you go, like you're not really thinking about your fucking aperture and ISO and shit anymore. It's just, it's like muscle memory. You're just right. like, oh, right? So you're just, you're, you, when you get to that point is, is to me where you kind of reach the level, like you're there, you know, when you don't have to think about it and you can right. just create based on uh, your thoughts and it, and it, Transitions or it, uh, translates the language into a physical form. That's what I used to say, like um, when I started. Yeah, it was like, well, man, when my brain catches up to like my technical skill, like it's gonna be real gnarly. And I felt that happen like a couple years ago. Yeah, I was like, man, like we're like we're almost even now. And now I feel like even with that, and that's why I'm like going towards like, all right, well, what's next? I've kind of like done that. Like, yeah, I feel. It's not, it's, you know, it's like walking down the street at this point, you know, like. I wouldn't say what's next. I would say, I would say, what can you add on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, you're, you're an exceptional photographer and then you go to, to do music, you're going to pull from your photography experience and you're going to pull from that way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So well, I'm not I, walking, I, I'm not walking away from, from not walking away, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, I think I mean I do I do this shit all the time where I'm just like yeah I can like make music it's fucking easy yeah so then I just try to go and just completely right learn how to fucking animate well definitely re <laughs> definitely rechallenging you know? myself but it's also yeah. something that I think I've been building on for like my whole life yeah you know it's the same thing as the photography thing it's like all right well are you gonna do this or what and this seems like the right time to do it yeah and then um, not. And then doing it for most importantly, like the right reason, you know, not doing it just because you know I want to like it seems easy to tour the world these days. Yeah, you know, like totally, it's not like that. It's just I actually want to see, uh, you know, and kind of my world was shook earlier this year. You know, like my bubble was bursted and it reopened my mind to things. And it's like, okay, well, like I've stockpiled all these thoughts forever. And like what we were talking like before we started talking on here is, you know, that's, I want to take everything I, I learned and put it into like my thesis, 
you know, and just see what happens. But I'm not ever going to give my photography is definitely always expanding and stuff. And it's just trying to figure out what, you know, what. I mean, I've I've shot like everything, you know, like <laughs> you're so jaded. <laughs> no, you know, it's like it's it's, but it's not jadedness. It's like same though. I feel you. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I I'm, I was in tears, bro. Like, I mean, I was in tears when I got the good emails, and in tears when I got the bad emails. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I'm also like a fan, you know, and and I don't want to lose the fandom of it. You know, and that's like, well, oh, maybe I'll do this and I'll do that, and and I definitely, I don't know how it's not. You're not jaded. You're just like, you get up. You know, it becomes. Yeah, you know, I think the only thing I haven't shot is Daft Punk. Yeah, put it that way. You know, like literally, like if I was the list, the list of lists, like I kind of crushed it. Yeah, absolutely. It, like, but so even the, if you shot Daft Punk, it would be dope. But it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the explosion that it would have been a few years ago. No, you know what I mean. Same. I think even that they've kind of like lost the that moment. Yeah, you know, they've kind of moved on, and it's like that. But to me, that was like a a, a pinnacle moment in my life. Is was because so like what happened? You know, I'm March nineteenth, two thousand seven. I quit drinking. I wouldn't be here if I was still drinking. So what happened was two thousand one when I went to. Coachella, James Addiction was the headliner. I had um, gone two years later to Beastie Boys Coachella 2003, and then at the time I had a fiance, broke up with her, and my whole life I had gone to concerts and music and like going to festivals, reminding me too much of my ex lady mm-hmm. that I just gave up on that, and I was. After 2003? Yeah, so I was 230 pounds when she left, and I'm 180 pounds my whole life. And then I'm like, I don't want to go to music, I don't want to do this, I want to got a shitty job, all this stuff. And then I started living down by the beach again, and then I started losing weight, and then I was going in and out of drinking, and then finally I quit drinking, and then I started working at Jack's, and then I worked myself all the way up to the top, and then like, you know, like I... I had done all these things leading into Lightning in a Bottle 2008. And the only reason I got out there was I I met a girl on like Match.com. Tight. And she was a Burning Man chick. And she's like, you should go to this festival. And that's when, like, that's that's when I talked to my friends and going out to this festival. And it's the first festival in like five years. Yeah. And so I get there and it's like an Ewok village. We're like the craziest scene. They just dump us in the middle of the festival. Yeah. We camped like wherever we want. And there's just like naked people everywhere and sweat huts and like everyone's talking about Molly and you're like, who's that? And then like you know, this is you don't really know at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the music never like stops that night. And you're like, oh my God, they like perfected like the rave. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that was just those those moments like leading into that are still like the moments I draw back on like going like now and I'm like, oh, I'm so jaded. But no, that was like the craziest like new experience, you know? And then like to go like, okay, now I'm ready to go back into this world was really through like the creation. It was, you know, the Dead Mouse, 
experience 2010, 11, the Cube, I thought was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Daft Punk, Tron, Justice, like the music really like, I was like, at first I was like, oh my God, I love the bass. And then it just became DJs everywhere. Mm-hmm. But at that time, that was like really like, that kind of changed my life. I felt it was almost like punk rock. You know, like that was the vibe I got from it. Was like this is crazy. Like these yeah. dudes are making beats and stuff, and like we've perfected the rave, man. Like what what's going forward, you know? Right. And that was not. That was kind of. Those are very. So the, the the whole thing is like very Grateful Deadish too. So we're I'm not lightning the ball. It's four in the afternoon on Saturday. This dude walks up, stumbles up, Mitch. He's like, do you guys want drugs? And we're like, sure. What do you got? And he's like, oh, I got mushrooms and all this stuff. And we're like, okay, let's take, let's buy these mushrooms. And he starts talking to us. And his buddy walks up and he looks like he's in the Chemical Brothers, like the blonde haired lawn dude. Tight. And then now we're talking to two drug dealers from Mendocino County. And they're explaining to me that they're traveling on Amtrak across America and they're going to Reggae on the River, Lollapalooza. Um, Bonnaroo, whatever festivals are going on. And I'm starting to think, oh my God, this is the future. Festivals are now becoming destinations. And I can go back to school and I could travel around building photos real quickly and try to get on a festival circuit because that's like the future. And basically these dudes from Mendocino County had it all planned out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's how I like based the whole thing. And I was like, genius. So the lesson learned here is listen to drug dealers because they know the future. They know what's up. I mean, the guys are smart, right? (laughs) They're from Mendocino County, and so that was like the beginning of it. And and, like, it's just funny because when you tell that people story to people, they're like, really? I'm like, dude, you understand? Like, it was very innocent. It wasn't like right, right. And and then it goes back to like so Coachella started in 2001. Well, 99, but 2001 is like the big one, right? And then Perry Farrell goes to C3, and then they pick Lollapalooza in Chicago 2004, you know? And then that's when things just started, like, then you got, what, Austin City Limits, uh, the Voodoo Festival, you know? And then it's like music's not selling online. It's becoming more of like a live performance. Yep. You know, and it's like, okay, let's see what direction this all goes. And now we're like 10 years later. Now what do you do with everything that you've learned over the last 10 years, you know, like how do I take all this knowledge and like things I've learned and be authentic and go forward without being upset at little things that have happened. Yeah. And a lot of it is tightening up like uh, business skills or. It's a constant, you're constantly learning, man. It's just, uh, you know, you, you can learn a lot about one thing and then you, things will happen in your life. You got to learn shit about business or shit about just you just need to constantly be okay with change and always open to learning new things right you know what i mean <clears throat> my friend said my friend tommy says it best you got to live in the uncomf <laughs> got to live in the uncomfortable yeah i mean we but you know it's pretty awesome at the same time like i don't really have a boss mm-hmm. i'm 42 years old and that's all going to be 42 and that's all the freedom you know outweighs the control of of what I used to live and working 40 hours and driving and doing all that stuff and trying to be like, oh, I think I have something different to offer to the world than just 
another person working 40 hours a week. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's just you know? not for some it's people. Not, it's not for me. It's just not my thing. Not and like, yeah. And uh, I've had the, the luck of working with like really good mentors over my life. And, you know, and then my, my thing is just checking emotion and, you know, trying to calm down and not always be, you know, in the moment too much. But enough. <laughs> cool man well thanks for coming by um, what's your website going to be so people can go check it out jessieleefolton.com jessieleefolton.com go check it out Pretty he's coming through man talk to you soon yeah, okay. yeah. peace go check out jesse online j-e-s-s-e underscore l-e-e underscore f-u-l-t-o-n jesse lee fulton on instagram his new website is going to be super legit. I'm looking forward to checking it out. Thank you guys for listening. I will see y'all in the next episode. I don't know what kind of accent this is, but we got some cool shows coming up. So stay tuned, y'all. Peace.